from God this morning as we come on a morning that's been a little sluggish. We may be a little tired from time change and, and everything else of the weekend, but God, I pray that you would help us to be attentive to your word. Uh, God, to be students of your word. God, that you would teach us, that you train us, correct us. Uh, God, and prepare us to be used for your good works. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to gather. God, I know it's a, a little bit different day, but God, thank you for the beautiful snow. Um, thank you just a reminder that uh, we sing about at times that you wash us and cleanse us white as snow. And God, may we just rejoice in that, that we bring our sinfulness to you and you bring us and you cleanse us from our unrighteousness. God, thank you for that truth. May we rejoice in that today in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. When I was growing up, uh, when I was growing up, I really liked uh, the show. Some of you in this room might uh, have liked this show. It was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, all right? Any Mr. Rogers fans in the room? Anybody in the room have no idea? It's okay, all right? We will not judge you. Anybody in the room have no idea who Mr. Rogers is? Just a poll. Wow. Wow, that's terrible, all right? No. Uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, television show. Just to give you a quick summary. Fred Rogers had a TV show, and every day he would come on TV, and he it was sort of unscripted, and he would walk into his little home that he had, and he would walk in, and he would sing, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. And he would come in, he would walk over, and he would, uh, did somebody yell, just come on? Did, did I hear that over here? All right, and, and, so you, and so he would walk in, he would go over to the closet, he'd take off his jacket, he'd get out his sweater he'd go over to everybody over 40 he's like yeah all right and we come over and he'd walk over and he'd get down and he'd sit in his chair and he would take off his shoes and put on his tennis shoes right and he would sit there and and that was the beginning of every show it's how it started and he would have these guests come on and they would tell him about what they do for a living and then they took him to the world of make-believe all right and had all these puppets and one of those puppets was daniel striped tiger so some of you in the room have no idea who Mr. Rogers is. You have him to thank for Daniel Tiger cartoon, all right? Um, so it all fits together here. Um, but I was shocked. About 10 years ago, we were in staff meeting. And our former missions pastor, he's not former because of this, all right? Our former missions pastor, he, he's in Raleigh taking care of grandkids and, and loving the Lord. But Ivan Christman, he came in the staff meeting one day and he said, you guys, I, I read something today and you're not going to believe this. I said, what? And he said, do you know that Fred Rogers, the reason he wore long sleeve shirts and sweaters is because he was a Navy SEAL and he was a sniper and he had scars and tattoos up and down his arms. And so he kept them hidden. And I thought, whoa, that just made Mr. Rogers the coolest guy on television, right? <laughs> so I quickly, right in that moment, left the little conference room went to my office, pulled up Snoops, typed in Fred Rogers. There's a couple problems with his story. Mr. Rogers was never in the military. Therefore, he was never a Navy SEAL. He was never a sniper, and he had no tattoos. And I went back to Ivan. I said, Ivan, did you check this out? He goes, I read it on the internet. It must be true, right? We live in a culture, in our uh, culture that we live in, there is so much information, and much of that information is incomplete, outright false, or misleading in how it is represented and conveyed to us. That even includes, as we've been talking about for the last eight weeks, that even includes a careful examination 
of sermons and teachings we hear online. So I, just for interest's sake, I typed in the word sermons on Google to find out how many websites would be available dealing with sermons. There were 50,280,000 places that you could search for sermons. So I got a little bit more specific. I thought, all right, Christian sermons. So I typed in Christian sermons. And it narrowed it down just, you know, just a mere 16 million, down to 32 million locations online where you can download, watch, review, copy and paste, however you want to do it, sermons and teaching from all over the world. And the reality is, you and I need to realize something. The reality is, not all that teaching is biblically sound. And we must, in the age that we live in, we must be able as individuals, not just as a church, but individuals know how do we evaluate that information? How do we take all that information and all those sermons and all those teachings and how do we examine those? Thankfully, God gave us his word and thankfully he allowed and charged uh, Peter to write the second letter to multiple believers to charge them and to encourage them to ask them to investigate those that were teaching inside the church and their teachings. He was calling them to examine false teachings. And so we've, for eight weeks, we've been looking at the first chapter, authentic teaching. What, what, what are the marks of authenticity as a believer in Jesus Christ? The, the second week, a counterfeit. What are counterfeit teachings? And what are some of the marks of a counterfeit teaching? We looked at that for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then last week, we got into a couple of specifics as Peter was walking through and he was teaching about a couple of areas where the skeptics and the critics were attacking and mocking the early believers, particular was on the idea of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the idea is if they could attack the promise of Jesus' return and the promises of Jesus Christ, then they could begin to just break down this teaching, this good news, this movement in Jesus Christ. And so last week we looked at, to me, a, a very pivotal moment in, in Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3 in verse 9 and 10 where we begin to see the, the importance of being able to examine false teaching now become actions. Now begin to see those and how those infiltrate our lives and how they cast into our lives. And so just to review very quickly, I want to read uh, the two verses where we spent most of our time last week. Verse 9 and 10, he says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. This is his response to the critics who are saying, Christ hasn't returned, what's taking place? And he says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. This is a brilliant response. The criticism was Jesus was late or Jesus was wrong. Jesus made a prophecy and it didn't come true. He hasn't returned. And Peter says, hold on a minute. You're, you're not understanding the full perspective of God's timing. God is not slow. He's patiently waiting on all on all should turn, so that all should turn to him. So his critics are saying, he's late. And he says, no, he's just patiently waiting for you to repent and turn to him. 
And then verse 10 reminds us God is he's not slow. He is patiently waiting. But verse 10 tells us, but God's, God will not wait indefinitely. At some point, this second coming of the return of Christ will come. And when it comes, he says, the heavens will pass away. The heavenly bodies, the planets will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. He said, it is coming. It may happen in your lifetime, it may not, but it is coming. And when it comes, these are some of the things that Scripture has told us are going to take place. Now this morning, I want us to see how this, very much this morning, how this is going to move us into action this morning. We see verse 11, and we're going to walk through verse 13. We're going to read a little bit, pause a little bit. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved. So he's continuing. He says, since the planets are going to be destroyed, since the earth is going to be burned up, these things are all going to take place, a new heavens and a new earth. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, since there's going to come a time when all the investments, all the earthly establishments, all the things that we find as important are going to be no more, then there are some certain actions that you should take. Since these things are going to happen, don't invest in them. Since the earth is going to be destroyed, don't invest in it. Don't make this your home. If I were this afternoon to call you at home on your cell phone, wherever you might be on your phone, and I would call you and I'd say, hey, I, I know we had church this morning. Um, I know you missed. No, I'm just kidding. I know you were, I know you were out sledding. All right, and uh, I, I, just, I, just, I have an offer for you. Um, if you would invest $100, I've got some really, really incredible technology for you to invest in and you would say well what is it uh it's vhs tapes again i've just outdated myself in the room oh well well pastor vhs tapes those are 25 20 years ago Uh, pastor i don't really want to give you my money for something that's already passed well how about dvds can I, can I up the ante here for some DVD investment? You say, well, really, that one's kind of on its way out as well. And then I would really get you. I would say, you know, I understand. Both of those are pretty passing technology. How about a rotary phone? Right? That was one number, right? And, and, and it takes, and it, it's awesome. It's about this big. It weighs like a brick. It's connected to the wall, and you can't take it with you, all right? That actually kind of sounds promising now that I said it that way in this service. Uh, But you would say, I don't want that. I don't want to invest in that. Why? Because it's outdated. It doesn't work. It's not an investment that's going to bring about anything. And Peter says, since you know the promises of God's word that one day this earth will be dissolved, why don't you invest in something different? Why don't you put your energy in something that has value? Why don't you put your focus and your time into something that's going to reap eternal rewards? So he says in verse 11, he goes on, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Now, the wording there sounds odd, but he's not asking you a question. He's stating that while we wait we should continue to grow in our faith. That while we wait, we should continue to grow in our faith. He's not posing, should you grow in your faith and godliness and holiness? He's saying that since everything is going to be dissolved and it's not worth investing in, since this is not your eternal home, 
Because of that, why don't you, while you're awaiting for either the return of Christ or for you to leave this earth and pass away, while you're waiting, why, won't, why don't you grow in holiness and godliness? This is not to grow in perfection, but holiness and godliness. He's saying, why don't you prepare as you are waiting? Why don't you continue to grow? Why don't you examine your life? Is there something to clean up, to grow in, in holiness and godliness? Last weekend, we hosted, as I shared last week, we hosted the 10th grade boys at our house. Um, They're awesome. We've been hosting them since I think they were in 7th grade uh, in our home. And one of the things that we do every year when they come to our home is we prepare our house. Uh, We wash all of our sheets. We clean the house. We clean the bathroom that they're going to use. I'm not sure why, because 10th grade guys don't care, right? But we clean it anyway, and we get it all ready for them. Why? We're preparing for something. And you do the same thing. You know, companies come, and you know, something's on your calendar. You begin to prepare for it. And Peter says, while you're waiting, why don't you prepare in holiness and godliness? Not so that you can boast over someone else and say, I'm holier than you, or I'm godlier than you, so that you can lead other people to the promise of verse 9. So that while we're waiting, we can lead people into repentance by the grace and the mercy that we've experienced. So grow in holiness. Grow in holiness. He says to be distinctly different from this evil, broken world. You want a calling? You want to do something while you're waiting? You want to invest in something? Become distinctly different than this world. Not strange or odd. Not so that you can say to someone, I'm holier than you. But become distinctly different so that you can impact others with the message of Jesus Christ. Become more godly. While you're waiting, since you're waiting, and everything's going to fall apart one day, since you're waiting, become more godly. This carries the connotation of reverence towards God, admiration, worship of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5-7, through 7, he talked about the qualities of godliness and holiness. He says, For this very reason, make every, every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. These are for the purpose of sharing the gospel, of living out the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, these are the qualities that God has placed for you as a follower of Jesus Christ. So while you're waiting, why don't you grow? While you're waiting, it might be necessary for you to clean up spiritually. It might be necessary for you to examine the condition of your heart and your actions. And this past Wednesday night, we, we were examining uh, the, the idea of sin and sinfulness in our lives. And we were doing that through the lens of Psalm chapter 51, which if you don't know what Psalm 51 is, it is D- King David writing just after a guy by the name of Nathan had confronted King David. And, and King David had been confronted over a couple minor, minor character flaws. Adultery, murder, deception. Just a couple small ones. And King David is writing to the Lord. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. King David recognized 
in his continuation and in his repentance, he's saying, cleanse me, change me, grow me. So while we're waiting, Peter says, why don't you grow up? Why don't you clean up your life? Why don't you examine your faith and your relationship to the Lord? Clean up. Confess your sins. When I was growing up, again, another reference to my age, but when I was growing up, it seemed like every channel, and I don't watch a lot of TV, so it may be the same now, um, there's a lot of channels that have later in the evening to have television preachers. They, they, they still may be on there, all right? And uh, it seemed like growing up, nine out of ten of them all talked about the end of times. And they all had a prediction. They would write a book. It wouldn't come true. They'd write a new book. They'd change the day. They'd come up with a new prophecies, new things, and what this meant and what that meant. And they would spend countless series on the end of times. And that's very interesting, and it is needed information. And they would draw huge crowds to Colosseums, huge crowds to hear them teach on this. But my guess is, if that pastor would have stopped midway through the sermon and said, instead of talking about the end of times, let's talk about how you live right now. Let's talk about how you cleanse yourselves from your sinfulness. Let's talk about a self-examination of obedience to God and watch the crowd disperse. It's much easier to focus on what's out there instead of to examine what's in here. It's much easier to put it off on the future than to examine the current, the right now. And Peter's saying, since you are waiting, while you're waiting... What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Because if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. While we wait, we must continue to grow in our faith. Because it's not a bad thing. While you're waiting, continue to grow in your faith. But also, while we wait, we need to realize that God's promise is our invitation to go. God's promise of his return, the return of Christ, is our invitation to go. As a follower of Jesus Christ, verse 12, waiting for, so living in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will set on fire and be dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. That may not sound like an invitation to you, but it really is. It's an invitation that that while we're waiting and we're hastening, which we'll examine in just a moment, we're hastening the day of the Lord. While we know that there's a promise out there, while we're waiting, we have been given the invitation to take this message of grace and forgiveness to the world. It may not sound like an invitation, but it's really synonymous with other teachings from Jesus. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Clearly, Acts chapter 1, verse 7 proclaims that there is a distinct time for the return of God. So when you hear the word hasten, you may think, well, man, if I I do this enough or I'm this active that I can change it all. I believe it's an earnest desire for the return of Christ that, we, that we're waiting and we're hastening. We're earnestly desiring the return of the Lord and we are doing whatever is necessary to prepare for his return. Whatever we can do, whoever we can share with, wherever we can go 
to preach the gospel to the nations, to pray for his to return, to align our lives with his commands. Again, it's important to remind ourselves that the idea, once again, of God's timing is not yours. His timing is not our timing. His ways are not his ways. We are on his timetable. But we must take the promise of God and view it as an invitation to go. The invitation from Peter is clear. You know the end is coming. Whether that's his return or that's your passing. You know the end is coming. And in the end, you know this from teachings from Scripture that we've seen over the last few weeks. You know that in the end, those without Christ will perish. You know that those who trust in Christ, if you don't already, Scripture teaches that those who trust in Christ will spend eternity with Him, and those without Him will spend eternity perishing in hell. This is the reality of Scripture. We know this truth. We know the end is coming. If you knew that your neighbor's home tomorrow, tonight, if you know that it was going to burn to the ground. I don't know every single one of you personally or extremely well, but I, I think I know you well enough to know this. I know that what you would do tonight is you would go to their house, you would knock on their door and say, hey, your house is going to burn. And they may look at you and they may say, you're absolutely out of your mind. How would you know? I just know that it's going to happen. And if they ignore you, what you're probably going to do is go home, sit on your front porch and just watch. And the moment you see smoke, the moment you see spark, the moment you see anything take place, you're going to run over, you're going to call 911, not on your rotary phone, on your cell phone. You're going to run, and as you're running, you're calling 911, you're saying there's a fire happening, and you go in, you bring them out. Why? Because you know what's coming. Church, you know what's coming. You know the promise of his return. You know the promises of returnity for every man, woman, child. You know the promise is this, that we have heaven with him or hell without him. That same neighbor who you would rush to prevent them from a fire, would you rush and have you rushed to communicate the gospel? To communicate to them? what you know to be true from God's word. It's an invitation to go. The promise of his return and the promise of Second Peter and the language there is, a, is an invitation to go. It's, it's very popular right now when people going to get married, they send you the invitation when you get close. Uh, but months and months and months before, they send you a save the date. Um, some of them send them before they even meet each other. It's like 12 years in advance. Like, hey, they're going to meet, they're going to get married, so save that date, okay? It may come around. This is not a save the date. This is a save the promise. This is an invitation that's been given to the church to go, to take what we know, to take the information, not just from Second Peter, from all the New Testament and from all the Old Testament that points towards the return of Christ, that points towards destruction, and for us to be empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit to go. It's one of the reasons why we believe in missions here, folks. We don't believe in missions just so you can get a notch on your travel belt. 
We believe in missions because we believe there's people in, uh, in Guinea-Bissau and in Romania and Honduras and Long Island this summer that don't know Jesus Christ. And we want to take the message to them. We want to go. While we're waiting, while we're preparing, while we're growing up, while we're cleaning up, let's go. It's one of the reasons why later this year, we're going to be launching another church, a church plant in Davidson County. Why? Because we need another church? No, because 80% of people in Davidson County aren't in church this morning. And they need to know what we know. And the most evangelistic way to reach new people in new communities is a new church. So we're going to go. It's a clear invitation out of the promises of Scripture. While we wait, our invitation is to go. We've been given because we have been handed an invitation from the Heavenly Father through Peter. Grow up. While you're waiting, grow up. While you're waiting, clean up. While you're waiting, speak up. It's time for you to take the message, this invitation to the world. One last thought, though. While we wait, our eternal perspective must overshadow our earthly perspective. I didn't get to hear Tabitha's welcome in this service, but in the first service she referenced Job um, and just shifting our perspective. And we didn't talk about that ahead of time. It was just a beautiful way to bring these two together. But while we wait, our eternal perspective must overshadow our earthly perspective. And here's what I mean by that, using this scripture. But according, verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells this is the promise of heaven years ago we did a sermon series on heaven honestly we did the sermon series on heaven because i was tired of hearing people define heaven based on a country music song or based on somebody who thought that they went to heaven not trying to mess up everything that you read but but i wanted us to focus on what scripture teaches about heaven And I was so happy to find out in my research that heaven was not sitting on clouds all the day looking down on the earth. That's not it. I was so glad that as we have sung that it is in worship and and in honor of the holiness of God. That it is a making, though, also of all things that are broken, all new. Have you thought about this this morning? that we're so entrenched with our earthly perspective and our stuff and our things that we acquire in this world that at times we're shifting and selling our eternal perspective short because we have a false idea of the eternal. It's not sitting on a cloud looking down. It's in worship and in admonition, but it is also a new heaven and a new earth. No sin, no tears, no longing, no fears. You see, when we begin to paint that perspective from Scripture, it changes our thoughts of this earth. And we begin to detach ourselves and say, this is not as important as I thought it was. Randy Alcorn, in his book, Heaven, describes heaven in certain phases of his book. An excellent book on heaven. Excellent book to help kind of wrap our minds around. He says this at one point. He describes and summarizes heaven this way. Tell me this doesn't sound like a good eternal perspective. No death, no suffering, no funeral homes or psychiatric wards, 
no rape, no missing children, or drug rehab centers, no bigotry, no muggings or killings, no worry or depression or economic downturns, no wars, no unemployment, no anguish over failure and miscommunication, no con men, no locks, no death, no mourning, no pain, no boredom, no arthritis, no handicaps, no cancer, no taxes, no bills, no computer crashes, no weeds, no bombs, no drunkenness, no traffic jams and accidents, no septic tank backups. I'm not sure why he included that one in there, but he must have had a bad experience. No, no mental illness. He goes on. No unwanted emails, close friendships. Listen to this, but no clicks. Laughter, but no put downs. Intimacy, but no temptation for immorality. No hidden agendas, no backroom deals, no betrayals. Imagine mealtimes full of stories, laughter, and joy without fear of insensitivity, inappropriate behavior, anger, gossip, lust, jealousy, hurt feelings, or anything that eclipses joy. That will be heaven. That's where I want to spend eternity not bound to the earthly possessions that one day, he says, since it's all going to dissolve anyway, while you're waiting, why don't you take action? See, this is our action. While you're waiting, why don't you take action? While you're waiting, why don't you trust in the eternal perspective? Because when we cast in our minds and through Scripture a more complete picture of eternity, it allows us to let go of the incomplete opportunities that we have on this side of heaven. As as we cast a more complete picture of eternity, it allows us to let go of the incomplete opportunities we have on this side of heaven. And our failures, and our unemployment, and our sickness, and our worries fade away. Since you are waiting. And since this is all going to dissolve, while you're waiting, why don't you grow up? Why don't you clean up? What, what about each of us today? Where do you need to grow up spiritually? Where do you need to clean up? Where do you need to cry out to the Lord? God, create a, a spirit within me. Cleanse me. Change me. We need to continue to grow in our faith. While we wait, God's promise is our invitation to go. Who in your life would you awaken? Seriously, who in your life would you awaken if you knew their home was going to catch on fire? I know it's a morbid thought, but who, who would you awaken? Do they have a relationship to God through Jesus Christ? You have the promise. You have the power and the command to go. Well, while we wait, our eternal perspective must overshadow our earthly perspective. Can we let go of the here and now for the promise of eternity? The beauty of this chapter, the beauty of of 2 Peter that I want you to see, I know it's been a lot of Uh, discussions that are a little bit different for us on a Sunday morning, but I I hope this stretches you because here's what I want you to see. I want you to understand that the importance of biblical teaching influences your daily living. 
Correct biblical teaching influences your daily living. It will impact you. It will change you. It will prepare you. It will launch you. It will not leave you alone. The truth of God's word never leaves us complacent. It never leaves us comfortable. We must grow up, clean up, speak up, go, and allow the promise of heaven to overshadow our hold on earthly goods. Let's pray this morning.